You're listening to a DM podcast. Hello, legends, and welcome back to Beyond the Likes. You are with your host, Amy Gerard, and I have a very special guest coming on today. Her name is Emily Duncan. She is a sexologist down in Melbourne. I have so many questions. I probably will not get through even a quarter of them. I mean, I I would love to just have a one-on-one session with her and just explore some things that like are on my mind. Anyway, I'm going to get her on the podcast now and ask some questions that I hope you know, you can all maybe relate to or at least take something from. I mean, who knows? I do like to just freestyle. So we may go a little bit off topic and I might start talking about my sex life. That's probably something I will do. I hope you find her interesting and yeah, let's get her on now. Emily Duncan, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am very excited to talk to you. I have been wanting to get a sexologist on the potty for some time right now. I would love to ask you a few questions. First and foremost, can you give us a little intro about yourself and what it is that you do? Yeah, so um, obviously I'm Emily, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm a sexologist. Uh, so I work for myself doing like online sex coaching, basically, slash like sex therapy. So basically a sexologist is like an expert in human sexuality. So we help you with everything sex. Sexologists can kind of be diverse from like educators to the sex therapy. And I feel like I kind of like sit in the middle. Um, yeah. I did psych first. That was my background and then dived into the sexology. I was going to ask. What kind of course do you do? Like, do you did you go to university or is it TAFE or? Yeah, so university. So I did um, my undergrad in psych first and then I did a graduate diploma um, in sexology at Curtin afterwards. This is amazing. And can I ask what, like, because, you know, like I remember growing up, my mum and dad, they, they'd be like, oh, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And what do you want to be? And I was like, I want to be a hairdresser. And my dad was like, no, you're going to be a doctor. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> but like, is it something that you have always been interested in or did it like start, did you start thinking about it after you left school or did you start doing psych first and then you kind of took an interest in the sex side of things? Mm -hmm. So I've always been really intrigued by sex. Even like, I remember the first time I found porn, I was like six and I was like, what is this? Like, (laughs) it was just so intrigued. And then even throughout life, like um, the movie Meet the Fockers with like the mums that's like the sex therapist. And I was just like so fascinated. So I was always fascinated by sex and really intrigued by it but it wasn't until I was 18 and I got chlamydia and I was like oh what the fuck (laughs) I was like what do I do with this I mean I feel like that's just a rite of passage I feel like everybody I know has had chlamydia right oh yeah I've had it three times I am well versed (laughs) with chlamydia (laughs) yeah um so yeah I contracted chlamydia and it was 18 I was like oh my god like I don't know how to talk about this I wasn't really concerned about the chlamydia once I knew the treatment because I was like well what's better than being pregnant like this is easier like you know it's a couple of tablets we're good but I just realized we're not taught how to talk about it there's so much shame around it and like I didn't necessarily feel the shame myself but I felt everyone else's shame when I would have these conversations and I was just like started researching more about it, contracted it again from the same partner a couple months later because they never got treated properly. 
Good. Then it turned into pelvic inflammatory disease and it was just a big shit show. And yeah. the more I researched, the more I realized I didn't know. And I was like, if I don't know this, nobody knows this. Yeah. And came across sexologists and was like, I want to, you know, be a sexologist and start educating people and just went on this big sexual awakening journey, I guess. Um, and by this point, I was 19, halfway through my first year of uni doing criminology so completely what? different and what? I literally started with like a double degree in cyber security and crim did one day in <laughs> cyber security I was like I fucking hate computers I'm dropping this whole degree I remember yeah, calling up wow. mom and dad first day of uni like not nah, dropped a whole degree um and then I found sexology so I did psych changed to that because I thought that was the best pathway but yeah. anyway it's been, it's been a long journey I mean what I'm taking from this is that you're super smart I remember um wanting to do criminology my dad was a police prosecutor and I just love like crime and bad guys and jail and and then I just absolutely I didn't even get close to the mark that I needed in my UAI that's what it was called back then and so I took a gap year but like you are obviously very intelligent like even I had an obstetrician on the podcast just a few months back who studied engineering and now mm-hmm. he delivers babies. Like I find it very interesting and I think it's quite common that people will start a degree and then go, no, nah, this is definitely not for me. So it's really cool that you've found, you know, what you are interested in and, and uh, you know, doing things to help people. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm so grateful I found my passion. So you have your own business now, right? Like do you, have you got an office? Do you work from home? And I, I would love to know the kind of people that like, in my head, in my head, when I think of a sexologist, I think of probably like a couple, like a married couple who are struggling, you know, after having children and trying to get their spark back. Or is it like, do you get people from all walks of life, like people who don't know how to orgasm or don't know how to enjoy sex? Like, is that what kind of person do you meet in your day to day job? Yeah, so I have an online practice. So I do online sessions for individuals and couples. And most of the people I see will be an individual from a couple. And it's often a woman who has come to me because either their desire doesn't match their partners, um, they're struggling to orgasm, or they can orgasm on their own, not with their partner, which is often a big issue that comes up. And I've also had people around like exploring sexuality because like I'm queer myself and talk about that on my podcast and social media. So I've had people come to me being like, I am with, you know, a male partner. Everyone thinks I'm straight and it, I'm not feeling validated. How can I explore this in a relationship where I'm not allowed to go outside that relationship? Yeah, wow. That's, I mean, I just think it's so interesting because ugh, I didn't find porn at six, but I remember being a young kid and I have always been very open and interested and intrigued by I guess, sex and just like the human body and what feels good. Um, You know, when I'm in relationships with partners, I'm I'm very vocal about what I like um, and I'm always up for exploring things and stuff. And it's funny, like I talk a lot on Instagram about this. I, I nicknamed it the pear and it seems to have stuck and it's this like tiny little pleasure toy that is meant to be used just basically on your clit. And so many people have bought it because I've just been shamelessly plugging it because I just I absolutely love it. But I also I get I'm getting all these messages from women being like it's completely changed my life. I've never had an orgasm before. And then other women like 
their husbands are really taken back by it and can get quite offended. What you're doing as a service to, is it predominantly women that you see? Yeah. 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 Would just be so, so helpful. And I I think one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about is Mm self-pleasure because I would love to know from your point of view, how important that you think it is in, in a relationship. And when, even when you're single, like, is it, is it something that you would encourage women and men to be doing? I encourage every single client to self-pleasure yeah. and every single person out there to self-pleasure. Yeah. Um, not only if it feels amazing, yeah. it can, you know, release like your stress and, you know, just have all yeah. these benefits. But if you're engaging in partnered sex, it is the one way for you to learn everything about your body, how you want to be pleasured, so then you can take that to your partner's sex. So then you can say like, this is what I like, you know, yeah. do it like this. Cause so many people just, they, they don't even know what their vulva looks like. They yeah. don't even, they've never even looked at it. They don't know their anatomy. The amount of people who don't know the actual proper anatomy for a clitoris, like I didn't learn it till I was like 19. There's just so much we don't know. And self-pleasure is just one of those things that it teaches you so much about yourself and you can have fun and enjoy it too. And it just, gives you that space to learn about yourself in a in the comfort of your own home in a space that you can set up and you're in control of everything so it's just it's honestly one of the best things you can do I am a huge advocate for it I always have been but I I definitely feel like there is still such a stigma about it like there is there is women who feel so embarrassed I've got girlfriends who absolutely die when I talk about it because they cringe and like it's this taboo topic that they just feel so uncomfortable sitting in or listening to me talk about. Why do you think that that even still exists? Do you think it's a generation thing? Do you think, uh, you know, the younger generation, they are, you know, a little bit more open and willing to kind of explore all that? Like I just feel like my generation, I feel like my generation, there's very much a split 50-50. I feel like my parents, oh my God, it just would never have been spoken yeah. about. What do you think that's about? Yeah, so I definitely think there's still a lot of shame around my, like masturbation, yeah. especially for vulva owners. I know vulva even my owners. friends, vulva I owners, that. I like to call them vulva owners because like obviously that's the most inclusive term. <laughs> what do you call the men? Uh, penis what? owners. So oh, we call it, yeah, because we call it a vulva instead of vagina because that's the yeah. correct term. So then yeah. I always just say vulva owners in okay. case obviously non-binary people stuff. It's a okay. habit and I forget that not everybody no, does that. <laughs> but I mean, even my friends, like I've got friends who are like, you know, their early 20s, they won't masturbate. They have so much shame around it. I've had so many conversations around it. But I think it comes from, one, we aren't we aren't told how to do it, for starters. Yeah. Our pleasure isn't acknowledged in sex ed, so we're kind of just seen as baby makers and this is how to have sex and what it's for and when our yes. pleasure isn't a conversation, whereas at least for, like, you know, men typically in their sex ed, they're talking about wet dreams, things like that, which is, you know, linking them to their pleasure. And there's all these conversations. Like I remember the boys being like talking about wanking and this and that like in high school and that was normal. And I think one big difference is for like somebody who has a penis, you can see it, you can see it get hard. You know when, you know, you might be aroused or, you you know, your body's responding and you can touch it and they think, oh, this feels good and they start playing with it. 
Whereas for those with vulvas, it's kind of tucked away. It's hidden. Yeah. We don't know when we're turned on. We're not taught, you know, what those feelings are. And, you know, you're not taught about lubrication. And even then sometimes it doesn't match up. So it's confusing and we, it's kind of tucked away and it's like hidden. So it's not just this obvious in your face, oh, here's this thing getting hard, let me touch it and pleasure it. So I think that's also a big difference. Now that you say that, that is so true. Like in sex ed, even in schools, you learn about boys having morning glory and wet dreams and they'd wake up with spunk all over them and stuff. But there was never anything around uh, like a woman, you know, pleasuring herself or learning her body and her anatomy better. Like it, it's so true. Like you just learn, do not have sex without a condom because yeah. you will fall pregnant. Yeah, or get an SDR. Hey. Like I talk about it, my husband and I, we will watch, listen, when we had three small children, our sex life kind of fizzled a little bit but we have a pretty healthy sex life and when he's not home or he's downstairs and I'm upstairs like I will watch porn and I'll partake in self-pleasure I'll whip out my pear and have a real good time or I'll take it in the shower with me or in the bath and vice versa and he will you know he watches porn sometimes we watch it together sometimes we whip out toys together but I I like I've got girlfriends who consider like watching porn as cheating mm-hmm. like they they would I don't know if they would go as far to break up but like that there is a non-negotiable there like they they find it really confronting and you know if my man's jerking off to another woman blah 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 like that in their mind is deemed as cheating mm. have you ever had a woman come to you with that kind of issue like is that something that's common or I think it's definitely more common in older women when I say older though like I'm like probably from like 40s onwards a bit more common but I see it very much as like we put so much pressure on ourselves to give the pleasure to our partners and for Mm. it to just our two bodies to be the sexual tools and for that to look and follow a very certain sexual script that we are taught that we see in the movies that we do see in porn still too and it follows you know the same kind of paths and I think people often feel threatened when there is something else that's giving pleasure to your partner that's not you because it could be like well I don't feel good enough or I'm not enough for you even though it's not that like we we should have a sexual menu that is massive and that we can pull from all these different things and because that's what keeps it alive and fun and exciting sparking desire of course there's going to be you know certain people that maybe porn might become an issue in that they can no longer become aroused without it or yep. things like that. And then I obviously understand there needs, you know, support in that part. But when it comes to actual porn, it's just a way to, to turn you on. Just think of it as like, you know, something that sparks desire. Arousal, and like yeah. I use porn all the time. I use yeah. like I watch it all the time. And mm-hmm. I've even watched it with like my current partner. Like it's just something that I use as a sexual aid. And yeah. that's, that's what it is. Even like there's, you've got all these shows on TV, like Sex Life or 360. I look at it like I, we, Ryan and I could be watching that and there could be like a hot sex scene and I could be like, oh, like <laughs> that's kind of making me feel a bit hot and knowing that the same thing's probably happening to him and then we're going to go upstairs and bang. Not mm-hmm. because we're attracted to that person on the screen, but it's just like the idea of what's happening. Like it's, it is. It's like I feel like we are sexual beings and you can take 
snippets of TV shows or movies or porn, and you can turn it into something fun that you can. Yeah, both it's a enjoy. fantasy. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly right. But what about? And I, I like. I would never mention names or anything, but I, I feel like in a lot of the circles that I'm in, what I notice is that more often than not, you have one partner who has a much bigger sexual appetite than the other. Do you feel like that is something that can be worked on or is that? Absolutely. It is? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a girlfriend and she was always a really like sexual person, really enjoyed sex with her partner and stuff. And then she's got married and her partner is, she sometimes questions whether or not he's asexual because there's just nothing there. And so I'm like, obviously trying to be supportive and like, oh, here, have a pair and just knock yourself out. But she's also like, but I, I want to be intimate with him. I want him to want me and I want him to like want to have sex with me. Or I've, I notice that it, it's sometimes the other way around. Like it's the man who's constantly wanting it and the woman's just absolutely tapped out. Like obviously again, mitigating circumstances. There's always like environmental issues. Like, I don't know, maybe you've got three small children and you just absolutely don't have time for that. And it's not a priority, but like when, you know, your kids are grown up and there is a larger need from one partner, how would you, I guess, coach or help somebody or, you know, a couple through something like that? First thing, I always like to have a discussion around desire and what it is and there's two different types of desire I don't know if you've heard of it before the responsive and spontaneous desire so spontaneous desire um makes up most of like penis owners kind of desire which is that you know you see something on tv and you just turned on or you look at your partner and you're like I just want to fuck you right now and you're very easily turned on I think it's like 30 percent of those who fall and like 80 or something percent of like penis owners and then we have responsive desire which is where you you know have your partner come up to you and they start like brushing your arm and kissing your neck and you start responding and because desire it's not like a feeling of hunger and you just randomly get it and you have to you know act on it it's something you have to build and you have to work on it does not just come naturally like you have to build it up and for some people everything has to be perfect like we can't have dishes in the sink the kids have to be in bed like everything has to be perfect and then I might be like oh okay I'm you know responding to this and you can build that arousal second thing we often look at the person with the lower desire as the problem and not the person with the higher desire. Sometimes it's the other way around and we need to meet somewhere in the middle. So I think that's also important to acknowledge because so many people come to me with the lower desire and think they're the problem yeah. when it's sometimes it's not that it's not the case. So once I guess we've kind of like, you know, been educated on desire, how it can look and obviously looking at external factors because every person's going to be different. I think it's really important to, I guess, try and find ways to meet in the middle. Like if you're the person with that lower desire, when do you feel most turned on, if you are at all? Is it in the morning before your day started and you're not stressed? So then maybe we be sexual in the morning. Yeah. Scheduling sex can be another thing. A lot of people hear that and like that's does that's so not that's so not sexy. Like I don't want to schedule it. But almost think of it as like a date night. Yeah. You know, often, especially when you start dating somebody, you plan a date night. You just assume you're going to be fucking afterwards. Yeah. So planning a time 
when you can, you know, just spend the time with each other or even just to build intimacy, just having no distractions where you can just focus on each other. Obviously, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen and that's fine. But that can be another great way. And one thing I get all couples to do, whether that's um, with low desire, struggling to orgasm, is an activity called Sensate Focus. And this is where we take sex off the table because often when we say you can't have sex, all of a sudden, oh, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we spend you spend 15 minutes where you are touching your partner and just touching all over their body, not trying to arouse them, but just getting them to feel what they're feeling. Not to be like, oh, that feels good or bad. Just acknowledge it. Just be like, okay, how's this feel? And spend 15 minutes touching all over their body apart from like genitals and breasts then swap and do it to the other partner and then do that for like a couple times that week and then if you feel ready to move to the next step you include include genital area but still not trying to arouse them and so this just helps you get back into your body and you know just feel feel what you're feeling yeah um and then from there you the next week you bring in general touching, but like with penetration and things, if you engage in that type of sex and then the next week, penetrative sex, if that's the sex you engage in. And often it just allows the couple to connect, um, get back into their body. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like that, you know, it's, I mean, I never wait four weeks, but like sometimes when you first start dating a guy and you, you, I mean, I always used to say like, if I really, really liked him, I'm not going to give it up that easy. And so I, it would be like that, that tension build up. Mm-hmm. It's almost like that. Right. And I feel yeah, absolutely that absolutely makes sense because I think, I, I mean, I can only speak on behalf of myself, but for me, I am always like really, really turned on if there is a bit of a build up and a lead up to something. Of course. I, I could be dead asleep and my husband could just roll in from work and then like just throw a leg over and thinks that I'm up for it. More often than not, I never am. And he'll just get like a uppercut to the face. But <laughs> I think w- women as a whole, are like they respond well to there being a little bit of not teasing, but like that build up, right? Yeah, it's like a foreplay before you're even in the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. And because like foreplay begins from the last time you have sex with your partner. Everything that happens in between then is going to add to that next moment that you're sexual together. Yeah. I'm going to ask you one last question. Uh, is there such thing as like people who literally cannot orgasm? Yeah, so it's called anorgasmia. There's definitely some people who will just never reach orgasm in their life, but more often than not, if we, you know, look at all your sexual history, break down any shame, do like, you know, big deep dive there and then put certain practices in place, you will reach orgasm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's more just like tapping into your body and, you know, trying to find that that pleasure point. Do you think that women predominantly orgasm through clitoral stimulation as opposed to intercourse? Absolutely. So only 20% of women can orgasm through penetration. Yeah. So we need to be stimulating our clitorises, whether that's with toys, tongues, fingers, whatever it is, we need to be focusing on our clitorises. And also another important point, it takes women 20 to 40 minutes to become fully aroused now especially during partnered play we need that we need that time because there's so many other things going on often for us we have one thought pop in our head that can just take us somewhere else ruin the whole moment even like I know sometimes I'll be literally climaxing 
think of something else and completely self-sabotage the whole thing. Yeah. Like your mind is so important. Yeah. But yeah, definitely clitoral stimulation is so important and even just stimulation of like your whole vulva. Like there is so much pleasure that is in your body and that's why something like that sensate focus activity where you touch your whole body, like you might touch somewhere and be like, holy shit. I didn't even know that part could of my body could feel good. I didn't. I like recently, this might be too much information, but I recently had Ryan, like he really squeezed my nipples. And I, mm-hmm. I, I was like, he's definitely picked that up from a porno somewhere. But I was <laughs> like, oh, my God, that feels so good. And I've thrown in a few little tricks that I've seen, like if we're having sex and he's on top of me, I sometimes will hold the base of his penis really tightly and like he just oh my god he's gonna die that I've shared this (laughs) he just dies for it but it's I just think it's so it's so cool when you can feel comfortable like that with your partner and with yourself like I love just taking 30 minutes out of my day and just having some fun with myself upstairs because and it just it just alleviates so much stress and anxiety and pressure and like if I'm feeling super overwhelmed and I just like melt into the bed and it just feels so good and I I just I wish that every woman I mean I feel like most dudes already jerk off but I really wish that every woman would just kind of let go of those inhibitions that kind of prevent them from having a real good time yeah because it's so liberating when you step into your sexual energy it is so liberating and you can take that through your whole day like after I have a mass I'm feeling I feel so fucking good I can conquer the world (laughs) I get up I go and do things and sometimes even just you know tapping into that sexual energy even this morning I was just like feeling myself I was having my coffee like you know just touching over my body getting in tune with myself and then it just allows like flows on throughout the day like I then have you know like this podcast having a great chat things like that because I'm showing up in my energy and like tapping into it yeah it does it I mean it sets it sets you up for a really good day and it it, it just makes you feel I'm actually going to take myself up (laughs) you need it you're in a stressful body super aroused right now there's been a lot of clitoral stimulation and that is what I'm going to go and do I think that what you're doing in this space is so wonderful and I'm sure that you are helping so many people I will put all of your handles and your details down below so if there is anybody listening that would love to get in touch with you M's details will be all in the show notes but thank you so much for joining me no thank you it's been a great chat and thank you for everything that you do and I think you're amazing and it's been wonderful thank you thank you so much Em I'll chat to you soon All right, my loves, that was Emily Duncan. I hope you really enjoyed that. I could have spoken to her for so much longer. I really wish that I had asked her if I was bisexual because I really love lesbian porn. I wonder if that makes me bisexual or if it just makes me an avid viewer of lesbian porn. I don't know. I don't know if she has the answer. Maybe only I have the answer. Maybe I'll explore that at a later date. Um, But thank you so much for joining me. It's been real 
and raw and authentic and honest. And I hope you really enjoyed hearing from her. If you want to reach out to her and have like, you can have one-on-one counseling sessions or one-on-one whatever sessions. Um, She's got lots and lots of tricks up her sleeve on how to rekindle and relight the flame and the spark and the sexual energy. If you aren't getting down with your bad self and flicking the bean, what are you doing with your life? I want that to be your homework, maybe for the week, right? Find yourself a little pocket of time. When you're alone, kids are at school or down for their nap, hubby's out or who knows where he is, just maybe, you know, pop on some porn, maybe have a little browse. There's so many categories. Who knows? You might stumble across one that tickles your fancy, that makes you feel a little bit like, oh, 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 oh. I mean, you don't need to make those sound effects. Or just think of a time that you were really aroused and hone in on that and then put your hands in your pants and have a little play. And I promise you, you are going to feel great. And just keep playing until you reach Climax Island and then just sail away, right? Just you and your fingers and the toy And I know that there are loads of Lisa's listening to this podcast right now. And I'm talking to you guys. You are the ones with all the deep-seated inhibitions. You got to let them go. All right? Let them go. Just throw them out the window. Get down with your bad self. All right? I want want messages. I want to hear that you've at least climaxed once. All right? I love you. And you deserve that. And have a wonderful week. And I will chat with you all next week. Who am I going to get on? It's a lucky dip. It's a curveball. It really is. Love you guys. Bye.